Good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here. I wish I was there. We've taken a few days off and get out of the city a little bit, and, um, but wanted to still bring a message to you this week. Um, last week, we wrapped up the book of Philippians, the message series, Moving Forward. And um, this week and over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of do some standalone messages as we I get ready to kick back off in the fall with a new series, but um, this week I wanted to talk about the blessed life um, from Psalm 1, the first Psalm. Um, you know, you hear people say sometimes, um, I'm blessed, or somebody says, hey, how you doing? How, how are things going? I'm blessed. Um, and that's awesome. It sounds great. But what does it really mean, right? What does that mean when you say you're blessed? You're just kind of in a good place. You're doing well, whatever. So I want to look at that um, this week and see what Scripture says about uh, living a blessed life. And so we're going to look at uh, the first psalm, um, and we'll just read the whole thing. The, the whole psalm is only six verses long, so uh, it's not too long. But we're going to dive into it uh, this morning. And so, beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the eternal truth of it. God, may we um, see that. May we hear that this morning. Uh, not my ideas not my thoughts, not my heart, Lord, but the truth of your eternal word. Speak to us this morning as we seek after you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the blessed life or the righteous life, the happy life. Um, the psalmist in this passage sets forth basically two ways of life. Um, the righteous and the wicked or the blessed and the perishing, uh, as we'll see. And we all have the choice of which we'll, we will live. Um, the Hebrew word here for blessed uh, or blessed is asher, which literally means happy. Um, and the root of that Hebrew word means to go straight, to go forward, to advance or set right. It's to proceed um, so it's got movement to it, right? It's this movement of a happy life and towards happiness and, and walking in happiness. When we think about wicked, wickedness, uh, we kind of cringe or struggle with that idea, right? Because we think of, we think of wicked, um, we think of witches and cauldrons and goblins or whatever. We think of uh, these evil kind of pictures and stereotypes that we have. But this, this Hebrew word used in this passage of Scripture in this psalm is uh, rasha, is what it uh, is literally in the Hebrew, and it means ungodly. 
right? So it means living life. It means making decisions, um, my plans, my priorities in opposition to or not according uh, to or in accordance with God's desires and God's designs for me, ungodly. And so every one of us are either living um, this righteous life, which is in accordance with God's will, God's design, or not. And the psalmist lays it out for us here um, and what it looks like. And so he kind of pits these two against each other as we go through this. You'll see um, this way of living, this blessed, righteous life, um, this happy life moving towards and in godliness, and this wicked life, which is actually moving in opposition to um, God's desire and God's plan. And as Christians, you know, every one of us, we're either living, um, we're either regressing or progressing um, in righteousness. In righteousness in, oh, I need to change that. So as Christians, we're either progressing or regressing um, in walking in godliness, in walking in this uh, blessed life. And so... Um, and so to understand what true happiness, what true righteousness and blessedness looks like, it's not what the world, it's not what our flesh would say, but it's found in what God says. It's found in godliness, right? And so um, we see the blessed life is revealed in a few ways here in opposition to um, an ungodly life, a life that is perishing. Um, and I want us to look at three things. First of all, it's revealed in the way that we think. He says there at the very beginning, blessed or blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The blessed life is not found in wicked counsel, ungodly counsel and the way uh, and that way of thinking. See, the, the perspective of the world, the perspective of uh, un, ungodly uh, attitude or ungodly way of thinking is me first, right? And that's, and that's in the world all around us. That's in the culture all around us. We talk about that all the time. And so he's saying uh, the blessed life, the blessed man is not one who walks uh, in the counsel of the world, the counsel of the ungodly, the counsel that says, you know, I'm looking out for, for number one. I'm looking out for me first, right? Um, because in the world, um, Misery loves company, right? So you can get somebody to say or to agree with basically anything you want. And so um, in the world, uh, the priority is making myself happy, making myself um, feel good about myself. And so uh, we're all so desperate to be liked. And so when we get counsel that is not godly counsel, we're basically getting counsel that um, that is wrong-headed in that it's just seeking to, to find immediate pleasure. It's just trying to find immediate answers, temporary answers um, um, that aren't necessarily focused on what God wants for my life. And so he's saying this leads to destruction. Um, you know, I think about Michael Jackson. You know, he, he passed away a few years ago, and he had this real issue uh, you see uh, in, in the press and looking at um, his life, he had this real issue with prescription drugs and 
And the testimony of people around him, family and friends, was nobody would warn him. Nobody would, would call him out on it. Everybody just kind of gave him what he wanted and went along with him. And they did not do Michael Jackson any favors, and eventually he perished from it. And so that's what happens in uh, ungodly counsel. That's what happens in life when we just seek to, to, to surround ourselves with people who just tell us we're okay and that everything is good. He says um, the blessed life is not walking in that kind of counsel. Um, the blessed life is found in seeking godly counsel. He says, um, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And a little bit further down, he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Right? Um, Charles Spurgeon said, man must have some delight, some supreme pleasure. His heart has never meant to be a vacuum. If not filled with the best things, it will be filled with the unworthy and disappointing things. See, without the word of God in our lives, we are putting our hopes... We're finding wisdom in temporary, disappointing things, but the Word of God is a treasure. And the psalmist here is saying, the blessed life is the life that pursues after God, pursues after God's Word. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 105, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, do do I believe that? Do I believe the Word of God? Does the Word of God, does Scripture, does spending time in Scripture, seeking after um, God's voice in my life, does, is that exciting? He says his delight is in the law of the Lord. Are you expectant when you come to the Word of God? Or is it a hassle? Right? Are you expecting God to speak, to give you counsel as you seek His face, as you seek uh, Him in His Word? Because when we set the Word of God at the center of our lives, if, we're, if we have a daily intake of God's Word, that's God's counsel. That's godly counsel. And that is the way to live a blessed life. That's the way to, to walk um, in the pleasure of God and in His guidance and in His direction. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, I cannot remember the books I've read any more than the meals I have eaten. Even so, they have made me. See, the way that we think, um, what we read, where we get our counsel, where we get our direction makes us, and we don't even realize it a lot of times. But the Word of God is vital to our happiness. It's vital to our joy. It's vital to living this life of blessedness. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We've got to believe that. We've got to put our faith into action by seeking out the counsel of God in His Word, in Scripture. Delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it, He says. And on His law, He meditates day and day and night. You know, in Eastern uh, philosophy and meditation, the goal is to have an empty mind, right? Which is dangerous, which is pointless. But the goal of Christianity is to, to fill my mind with the Word of God because in it, it transforms how I think. It transforms how I see life. It gives me counsel for living. 
A lot of people give up on the Word of God because we're simply reading it. We're not meditating on it. This word in the Hebrew means to ponder, to murmur, to mull over. It gives me the picture of, you know, you ever see somebody walking? I know you do in New York City, and they're mumbling, <laughs> kind of talking to themselves. We chew on the Word of God. Spend time. Take time and get in Scripture. Get, get every ounce of flavor out of it. Seek after God. Know and believe that He is giving you counsel when you come to His Word. That's what the psalmist says here. Not just the Word of God, but the people in my life. Do you have godly counsel in your life? When you're talking to people about things you're going through or your, your friends and you're kind of sharing with one another and they give you advice or they give you their opinions, do you have a a filter in your heart and in your mind that says, is this godly counsel? Am I getting godly counsel or not? Do I have people around me that are encouraging me in my faith that will say the hard things to me at times to hold me accountable, the true things? Because if we're not careful, we'll all just put people uh, and books and podcasts in our lives that are just affirming and just just our, our yes men, yes people in our lives. And what kind of counsel are you? You know, the challenge here also is, is for me to be that kind of counsel for those that I care about and who God has put in my life. God wants to use me in, in other people's lives. He wants to use you in people's lives around you to give godly counsel. How are you determining what voices you listen to? Is the question, is this godly counsel? Does this line up with the word of God? Am I, am I putting everything through that filter or not? What is influencing you? Now, I ask you that question this morning. You may say, well, Jesus, you know, that seems like the right answer. How is Jesus influencing you? Is it just this osmosis, you think, because you're a Christian, you prayed a prayer years ago, and so you now, now, you, now you just kind of say that you're seeing life through Jesus' standpoint and you just you know, try to live life that way? No, it is an action. It is coming to the Word of God. It is seeking out godly counsel. It's this progression. It's this movement towards Him. I remember years ago, I took some students, I may have shared this story before, uh, to an uh, evangelism conference, and we heard a pastor, uh, David Nasser, speak, and, and he gave this example of, um, at the time, the WWJD bracelets were huge, you know, what would Jesus do? And he said, so many of us, you know, we think we're going to get in a, a compromising situation in some certain circumstances in our life, and, and temptation is going to be there, and we're going to be, you know, um, in a situation um, with a, someone we're dating or in a relationship, a compromising situation on the verge of sinfulness, and, and, and we're, we're going to look at that bracelet and God's going to send us, throw us a Hail Mary, and we're going to be like, oh yeah, what would Jesus do? But what Jesus would do would be not let himself get in that situation. It starts way before that moment. You know, oftentimes we get ourselves in situations, we find ourselves in circumstances in life, and we've made a series of progressive decisions. We've not guarded our hearts. We've not surrounded ourselves with godly counsel. We're not spending time in the Word, and then we see ourselves time after time just go from one um, 
one difficult situation to another. Temptation after temptation. We're not walking in joy. We're not walking in freedom. Because we see there's a progression here. We see uh, even in the way the psalmist writes this psalm, he says, first of all, um, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And then he goes on and says, nor stands in the way of sinners. So it's not only the way that we think, but this blessed life is revealed in the way that we behave. The blessed life is not, he uses this kind of um, comparison again, it's not walking in step with the world. The Hebrew for stand, he says, nor stands in the way of sinners, means to stop or to stay, right? So I'm allowing this ungodly counsel into my life. I'm, I'm seeking counsel. I'm seeking uh, advice. I'm seeking the way that I should think from the things of the world. And then I'm allowing it to stay there and I'm allowing it to become a part of my life in the way that I think. And he says, uh, nor stands in the way of sinners. This word way, the Hebrew word means path. Speaks of a, a road, a direction. And the righteous man is not traveling in the same direction as the ungodly or the wicked. Right? That makes sense. So where are you finding your standards for living? Are you finding it in the world? Are you finding it in popularity and getting ahead and in self-preservation or self-worth? All of these things, the way that I think, the way that I input information into my life becomes the way that I live, right? Like Descartes said, um, I think, therefore I am. It's a progression. And these things, when I'm finding uh, my counsel in the things of the world, the things that are logical to society or culture at the time, they lead to sin. They lead um, to a life spent seeking to fulfill my fleshly desires, right? My, my fleshly impulses. And that's the way the world thinks. And they think that's the world around you think applauds that, right? If it makes you happy, they can't be that bad, as Sheryl Crow sang. But here's what God's Word says, Galatians 5.17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And for, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So you see, um, the life lived um, in God's blessedness and in God's happiness is lived in seeking Him first, is seeking His counsel and then walking according to that counsel. But the way of the unrighteous, the way of wickedness is to, to not seek after the counsel of God and seek after the counsel of the world and then to live according to that. And those are opposed to each other. So the blessed life is not, um, is not walking in step with the world, but it is walking in obedience to the counsel of God. Like I said, this is a progression. So when I'm seeking um, the counsel of God, when I'm spending time in the word of God and in prayer, there's a promise. He says in verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its fruit. What, what fruit? It's the fruit of the Spirit in my life. It's the fruit of God in my life. Right? living in obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the, the voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks through God's Word, speaks to me, 
And part of that godly counsel is, is accountability. And so I'm living my life in accordance with God's Word, in accordance with God's Spirit leading me. He's producing holiness in my life. I'm walking in victory over sin. I'm not just walking in the path of the world around me and in the, with the priorities and the fruit of the world around me. This is why discipleship is done in relationship. That's why we have uh, discipleship groups. That's why we have small groups. That's why I'm always encouraging uh, you to get into relationship, to do life together, right? to walk together so that we might give one another godly counsel, we might press one another towards Christ, and we might hold one another accountable in that counsel to the way that we live, the, the fruit that we produce in our lives. Does your life, do, do your habits, do your desires look identical pretty much to your lost friends and family? And sometimes we say, well, you know, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to come across as, you know, legalistic or judgmental. But listen, when we compromise, the Bible tells us it's a slippery slope. If you compromise your convictions to make your, your friends, your ungodly friends, comfortable, then you're walking in disobedience. You're being influenced more than you're influencing. God, God is not using you in the lives of those around you because there is no difference. And eventually, those convictions that you once had that your heart was sensitive to because you were seeking God, you were seeking Him in His Word, your heart was pliable to the Holy Spirit. We, we hear His voice when we're walking with Him. It becomes callous because over and over again, I start to make compromises. And just like the psalmist said, It's a slippery slope. And that leads to this, this final point, and that is it's revealed in where we belong. He says in this passage, um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. So how I think, how I behave, nor sits in the seat of of scoffers, where I find that I belong. My, my own personal life is proof of this slippery slope that compromise and sin uh, places in, in your life and leads to in your life. I remember there was a time in my life I was raised in a Christian home. I, I prayed to receive Christ as a child, and, but there became a time in my life when I got into high school where I began to make small compromises and then larger ones and didn't even realize what was happening necessarily. Although when I look back, I really, I really did. But I ended up um, in places I never thought I would be, doing things I never thought I would do. It's this progression again. So the, the blessed life is, is a life that's not comfortable in the world. This word scoffers. See, he says, neither do they sit in the seat of scoffers. This, one of the schemes that Satan uses in, in a Christian's life is a lot of times he'll begin by turning us against other Christians or turning us against the church, right? We, be, we become very critical. We get this critical spirit. It's easy to criticize because there is a lot to criticize. The church is made up of human beings, but 
But see, where that takes root is I have made these other compromises. I begin to compromise a little bit in my life. And so I'm seeking to legitimize that. And so I pit it against Christianity, against Christians, against the church. And I wouldn't say against Jesus necessarily, but I, you start with the people around you because those are the easy targets. And, that, and that's, the, that's the warning. That's why Jesus talked about um, loving one another and the unity that we have one another will tell the world that he is who he said he is, who he says he is, but it, it becomes this divisiveness and this critical spirit. C.S. Lewis wrote in Screwtape Letters, you know, Uncle Screwtape talking to his nephew Wormwood, the demon, as he's trying to influence um, Christians and, and, and mankind. He says, if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. See, the psalmist is saying here, don't sit in the seat. Don't begin to get comfortable with the mindset of the world. And that's what happens when we seek after ungodly counsel, when we're not getting uh, our counsel and our advice and our, the principles for living from the Word of God and from the people of God. And we begin to, to make compromises, begin to allow sin into our lives. And then sooner or later, we begin to just get comfortable in that and taking on the mindset of the world. And we, we begin to belong a little bit too much in this broken, lost world. And so we begin to, to throw rocks at Christians. We begin to, to attack the church because the, the rest of the world is doing that. And that's, and that's easy because there are problems, there are issues, but it's a sign, this critical spirit, that I'm beginning to get too comfortable in the world because my heart for the church, my heart for other Christians should be one to, to hold accountable in love and to, to be an influence and to be part of the solution rather than sitting back and throwing stones. And so not only scoffing at Christians, but we begin, it begins to seep into our spiritual life to our walk with Christ and the truth of scripture. We begin to reinterpret what, it's, what is true based on the culture that I'm getting my influence from, right? That I'm eventually trying to appease and walk in step with and, and, and I'm trying to be accepted in. I begin to make compromises and I begin to scoff at even the truth of what God teaches in His Word. The other, just yesterday, I was having a, a conversation with, a, with another believer and... Um, this brother asked me about some difficult um, topics like women's role in the church and, and in the family and how the you know, husbands and wives and how all that is set up. And then we began to talk about sexuality and some of the controversies that are happening and, and these conversations that are um, these difficult conversations for Christians at, at times. And, those, and they, are, they can be difficult conversations. But what we talked about was we started to dig into Scripture, not just what I thought or what he thought. We said, look at Scripture. Look for this godly counsel. And, and, you know, when you look at Scripture, it's actually a lot more logical than Christians often communicate. However, the lost world ultimately will always be hostile, always be hostile to the message of Christ and the truth of God's Word. 
And we're not looking for that hostility. We're not trying to necessarily just engage hostility or where we disagree, but but you can try to reword what Scripture says and to try and make it fit the culture and what, what others want you to say. In the end, they're not looking to agree. They're not looking at the same thing. They're, looking, they're not looking for godly counsel oftentimes. They're looking for approval and acceptance and, and the mindset of the world around us. And so while the world tries to to move the line of what is right and wrong, there's, there's a haunting that they are failing. You know, without Christ, see, God has set eternity in the heart of man. That's every man. He's, he's created us in his image. And so there's this, this law of morality that C.S. Lewis talks about. There's this sense of right and wrong deep within all of us. Now, we're, we're sinful, right? We're fallen. We don't always choose the right. But what that does is it creates a disdain at some point, and even a hatred for anyone who claims to have victory over that battle, right? Have victory over that conviction of what is right and wrong. And so, so the world has decided just to move the line of what is right and what is wrong. And if you're a believer and you are finding your counsel in God's word, when you're seeking him first, when you're living according to those principles and according to the, the, the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that's not going to go along always, most of the time, with the standard of the world. You're going to inevitably come to some resistance. And nothing you can do except be true to those convictions, to live them out, not to be a hypocrite, not to to be a convenient uh, conviction type of person, but find eternal truth in the Word of God and, and led by His Spirit. And guess what? Love happens to be one of those convictions. We don't pick and choose who we love or how we love. We love unconditionally, sacrificially, all those Um, things that God's word teaches that Jesus produces in us, but it's not at the compromise of truth. And so we're fighting, uh, we're not really fighting the battle. We might say we're trying to influence the culture. No, No, what we're trying to do is find the path of least resistance. You can live in accordance with the convictions of scripture when we're seeking God first. We're seeking to live by his word and, and, and the leadership of his spirit and still love those around you. And those who God is working in their hearts and leading them and the Holy Spirit is drawing them, they will come. They will appreciate your convictions. They will, they will be drawn to you as God draws them to himself. And this promise, there's a promise here, promise here in verse 4. It says, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And in verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Listen, in the end, living a life of compromise, living a life of of seeking after ungodly counsel and living my life accordingly and and walking in sin and and seeking to belong and be accepted in the world, it it leads to, to death. It leads to perishing, to wasting away. The blessed life is walking in intimate relationship with Christ. Again, this is a progression. I'm seeking godly counsel. 
I'm seeking to walk in holiness, not, not to, to stand in the path of sinners. I'm, I'm not seeking to be accepted by the world and to belong and find my home here, but in Christ. Verse 2, he says, on his law, he meditates day and night. See, my attention is God, God's word, God's desire for my life. And that promise in verse 3, and his, his leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Wow, what a promise. See, when I'm, when I'm seeking after Christ, and I'm seeking after God's will for my life, and I'm, I'm walking in obedience to that, then I don't grow weary in my faith. I find strength and encouragement in the Holy Spirit and the promises of God. I find strength and, and encouragement in my brothers and sisters in Christ because we are cheering one another on. We're encouraging one another and God is working through us in one another's lives. And this is the gospel. See, this word scoffer means to be scornful. It means to be inflated, right? We talked about pride a few weeks ago. Pride is the sin that keeps us from coming to Christ in repentance, first and foremost. And pride in this inflated um, idea of self is what is keeping the ungodly and the wicked from knowing God. Because we're trying, the world and me and my flesh, I'm trying to defend myself. I'm trying to, to legitimize and prove that I'm good enough. But here's the truth. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. On our own, we are not good enough. And I know that hurts, and that, that hurts the world's pride. That hurts my flesh. But Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. So all are not good enough. You, me, Every person that's ever been born, every person that will ever be born on our own, we are not good enough. We've all sinned and we fall short of God's standard. But Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. There is, a, there is perishing for that. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. On our own, we're not good enough, but God loved us too much to leave us that way and sent Jesus. He came to make you good enough. Not you, but Him. And Him in us and covering us. That's the gospel. And through Christ, we can walk in this righteousness. We can grow in living in holiness. We can approach the throne of grace, right? We can... We can come boldly to the Word of God. We can come with expectation that He's speaking to us, that His Spirit is with us. And we can live a life that's blessed. We can have happiness and joy. Christ offers that to every human being, every one of us this morning. He is the door to the blessed life, and He is the strength to walk in it and to live it. And so to seek godly counsel, to prioritize the word of God in my life, to avoid the path of the lost world, walking in sinfulness and destruction, to find victory over my sin in my daily life, I find myself a stranger in a strange land. I know that I don't belong here. And the culture and the winds of confusion and what's acceptable or not, or right today and wrong tomorrow, no longer 
that no longer has power over me. I know that I belong and I am whole in Jesus Christ. And so I don't have to pursue the things of the world. I don't have to, to allow wickedness to direct my path. There's a beautiful, that beautiful promise in verse 3, talking about the righteous. It says he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. You see, when, when I seek God first in my life, when I am in the word of God, this is a direct promise here. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night, mulling over Scripture, mulling over, hungry for God to speak in my life in, a, in, every, in an everyday way, prioritizing that. Hungering and thirsting after him comes with a, a promise of prospering, of growth, of producing fruit, strength. Not prospering the way the world defines it, but, but prospering in the plans and the design and the purpose that God has for my life and has for your life. And that, that is the best life. That is the blessed life. See, in a world full of confusion, wickedness, it's everywhere. Disappointment, depression, weariness. Because of Christ, we can be restored to God eternally and not just not just beyond the grave, but today, even in such a world, we can walk in a blessed life. But that takes a daily choice. Just as a, the psalmist lays out here, there's a choice before us today. Am I going to make the voice of the world the priority in my life? Am I going to make the influence of the world um, give it first place in my life? And it's more than just saying, no, I'm going to... I'm going to pursue God. for No, it's organizing my life in such a way. If the things that I'm pouring into my life day in and day out, if I sit down and take an account of that, and if I, if I add it up and it's more the world than it is God and His Word and His Spirit and His people, then I've got to make a change. I'm on that slippery slope. And I will end up in, in places I never thought I'd be and doing things I never thought I would do. Or I will live a life wasted for the glory of God wasted I'll just I'll just survive I'll just get through that's not the that's not the blessed life that's not the life that God has created you for and so let me encourage you today to to make a priority of of seeking godly counsel in your life getting people around you who will press you towards Christ spending time in the word of God that I might have discernment, not only discernment to know right and wrong, but the power to do it in my life and to not stand in the path of sinners, not to look just like my neighbors and my lost friends and those that are broken and hurting around me, but I, I can live a life of hope that looks different, victory over temptation and sin, growing in that victory as well, and finally resting in Christ, belonging a confidence that I live in the shadow of his wings, that he hears my prayers and, and, and I spend time daily with him. There's a song back in the, 
the '90s, I think it, it was, and the and the words. I don't remember all the words, but one of the one of the lines that just really gripped me was like, "I know my God is faithful. I know He's on His throne. I I spoke with Him this morning." <laughs> that just that picture is just a powerful one because it's true. God is with us in Christ. We have access to the throne, to all His godly counsel, His influence, His direction, His protection. Oh, that we will walk in it today that you would know happiness and joy even in the midst of this broken world. You can be at peace because you're at peace with God and you know that this world is not where you belong. and You're just not quite home yet, but we will be soon. Let me encourage you today to live the blessed life is not necessarily what the world defines as blessed and highly favored. It is a life that is pursuing Christ. It's a life that is organized and prioritized around knowing Jesus, growing in my faith in Him, growing in my obedience every day, knowing His Word, being able to have conversations with with those that are struggling and hurting around me, those that are lost, even the difficult um, conversations and subjects and topics that come up in our culture, in our society, we ought to be able to have um, logical conversations full of love, but that comes from, that comes from knowing the Word of God. That, be, that comes from confidence in my walk with Jesus. A lot of times we we do more damage than not because we're not confident in really what we believe. And so we, it turns into a debate or an argument or we just we relinquish the truth. So let me encourage you today to spend time in God's word, to walk with him. Uh, know that you belong in Christ. You belong to him and he has a plan for your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you, Lord, that there are times when we run off and we get on this slippery slope and we seek the, the approval of man. Lord, we seek uh, logical uh, answers um, in accordance with how the world thinks. God, and we think we can just pick and choose when we're going to be righteous or holy. But Lord, you've told us that it is, a, uh, it is an intentional walk with you daily decreasing and Jesus increasing in us. Lord, that's not just something that just naturally happens in us because our flesh wants to be accepted. We want to have approval. But Lord, you've, you've accepted us by Jesus on the cross. You've brought us close to you. You've, you call us children, your children. And you've, you've shed your love abroad in our hearts through your spirit. And so God, you've called us to walk in such a way. And so, so God, I just pray that you'd help us this week as we go to, to prioritize spending time in your word, knowing that there are promises to, to, to produce fruit, to prosper, to not wither, to be strong. But God, most of all, to know you, to, to know your heart and your desires for us. And God, we want to be beacons of light. We want to be uh, effective um, ambassadors for Christ, Lord. So may we walk close to the fire this week. May we walk um, in your word uh, with your people uh, and then living in boldness 
uh, as you give us guidance and counsel. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's name, amen.